0: Hello and welcome to Deep Deplorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore or something like that. I'm Michael Bastine. I'm Billy Staples. And I don't did we we didn't give uh we didn't decide on a topic.
1: last episode. I, no, I I don't think we did. No. So
0: we ended up settling on cryptids. Billy, why don't you why don't you give uh why don't you give our listeners
1: a rundown on on the basics? Cryptids are. They're the things that you would see in the corner of your eyes that you can't really explain, but you have some vague idea of what they are. The most commonly known cryptids are the Loch Ness monster, the Sasquatch, otherwise known as Bigfoot. There's also the internet one, which we did an episode on previously, which is Florida Man.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. Florida Man's considered like an honorary cryptid.
1: Yeah, I there's not really I don't there's not really much I can add to that description of cryptids.
0: Yeah, they're because it's not even just like mythological creatures. Because there is, I I it's hard to tell what the distinction is, but there is a distinction between myth, like mythological creatures and cryptids. The well, here there's there here's a here's one. Um, so last week I was talking about the uh the rougarou, right? Yeah, the shapeshifter. So I actually was doing a little more. Uh, research on that specifically because it was kind of searching for the Rougarou. There's a lot of different things that fit under that name because it's also kind of, from what I understand, it's kind of like the French word for werewolf. It's not quite, but it's similar to that idea. There are alternative names for this creature and specifically the one that i was looking at which was a mythological creature that is that is from the region of trinidad trinidad and tobago which is the kind of the the creature we described last episode but the ruguru, a different a different form of creature under the same name also is considered a cryptid of sorts oh the point is cryptids are are interesting in the sense of that they're very um they can be difficult to distinguish from myth. Billy, I gotta ask, before we kinda get rolling, because I feel like we're gonna especially when you open up an episode on cryptids, we're gonna need to make some we're gonna need to make something clear. Uh how how much stock do you put in
1: the existence of cryptids? I think there is some solid evidence for some some of them being true but i think there's more of a there's a more rational explanation for some of them
0: yeah okay i am more in the camp of if you can you know if you can prove its existence cool i'm, I'm not gonna i am i am let's let's say this let's say this way i am cryptid agnostic <laughs> if there's you know if you can give me actual proof i could be convinced but I'm definitely in the camp of I think a lot more people want them to exist. That's not to say I can't have fun with the idea of the cryptid, with the idea of cryptids, but uh uh so with that kind of understanding, dear dear listeners, listen on at your own peril because you may find you may find that we're a little less reverent of some of these creatures as you might prefer us to be. Um, since we seem to both be coming from a fairly skeptical background we're not going to change our beliefs to not offend you but i'm just you know fair warning if you are if you're one who is easily wounded by someone not believing in the uh these things then um as much as i hate to encourage people to not listen that may this may be your your uh, chance to get away before we get going
1: so what have you have you found anything Smoothest transition and then smoothest transition since sliced
0: bread, sliced bread smooth. I mean, I found a number of things. I I definitely found some points of discussion, if only because I've noticed in my research that there are a lot of cryptids that are just animals that don't belong in an area. Yeah, specifically one that comes to mind being alien big cats. okay. Although part of the reason why I brought that name up was because they're abbreviated ABCs and that just kind of makes me happy. But alien big cats are not like alien as in not from Earth, but they're alien as in not from the area that they are like. They're not native to the area. Yeah. Which is usually (laughs) I don't know why they're considered cryptids, frankly, because they're. It's invasive species are a thing. They're, you know, humans move animals around all the time. It would make sense that a a wildcat could get away from. Yeah. On on the rare occasion that a wildcat gets away from a zookeeper or a person who's hunted a wildcat and is not keep kept a, a close enough grasp on it. People bringing animals to places that they're not supposed to be. Similarly, I found, so I found, I found a wonderful, I found a wonderful little uh, website called uh, the Cryptids Fandom Wiki. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to love these little wikis that I find because they're, they're just, they're so clearly written by people who wholeheartedly believe in the things that unapologetically believe in the things that they are writing about, which you know i i'm i'm not here to criticize or anything it just i think from from my perspective at least especially when you're talking about things like cryptids it it's um it would be best to try and present your ideas in a way that is as neutral as possible as accepting of both sides as possible so as to better help educate people who may be less convinced uh on the things that you think are very important it's one thing that came to mind and and this i can get into like the first cryptid that i really want to talk about well this is adjacent to the first thing one thing that comes to mind is something a cryptid called air rods
1: i have not heard of that one
0: you haven't heard of these ones okay so no. these are weird little living creatures that look like little rods there's no real good way to describe them they show up sometimes in photography usually of like skylines and things the cryptid community seems to have largely proposed that these things are living creatures but going back to what i was saying about the way the website is written under under the listing on air rods there is a there's a line that kind of really i think epitomizes this uh which reads people were scared and shocked when they realized that rods might be living creatures. So the first thing they did was try to disprove this by showing that air rods were something normal that simply showed up on film in an odd way. They already had solid proof that rods were not two-dimensional blotches on film.
1: Hmm.
0: You can kind of see what I'm talking about with the wording is very, um... Yeah. It's a little condescending to the skeptics. The reason, however, that that is adjacent to the first creature I wanted to talk about was because they appear in similar conditions to the creatures, these things. This first cryptid I wanted to talk about were atmos- atmospheric beasts. Okay. Um, have you heard of this one?
1: No. Okay. That so... might be a running theme, though. <laughs>
0: Well, that's, uh, hey, that's the ideal, like, margin for this podcast is everything that I should talk about, that I talk about, should be stuff that, like, you haven't heard of and vice versa. Atmospheric beasts, the cryptid. Supposedly, there are creatures, like the size of whales or like dragons, that live in the atmosphere. They are massive, they fly above our heads, they're just too high up or... Uh, for whatever reason, are impossible to spot with the naked eye, or at least very difficult to spot with the naked eye. According to to the sites that I was looking at, apparently it said that when atmospheric beasts die, they fall to Earth as a gelatinous mass that may resemble a green, purple, gray, or iridescent jelly, which evaporates into nothing within minutes, hours, or, at the longest, a few days. Hmm. Which I feel like they're... That's a very convenient cleanup method for um any proof that these creatures might exist. Yeah. Now I have seen and and this may be a large part of where the idea of atmospheric beasts come from. I have seen what I believe to be a meteor meteorological phenomenon that is real but I I was having a hard time actually Uh, tracking it down in my research because I was looking for this. During heavy thunderstorms when there's like a particularly heavy cloud cover because of the way light filters through moving cloud structures, uh, sometimes and this is especially, especially near like mountains and stuff flashes of lightning or sunlight can filter through clouds in such a way that it looks like there are large creatures moving through the clouds. Hmm. Like I and I've I've seen some video of this stuff and it's pretty freaky. I don't know. Like I said, I believe it is a it is a legitimate meteorological phenomenon, although it may have been movie magic. We're definitely in an age where there's enough video editing that you can make stuff look pretty real, especially when heavy cloud cover or fog cover is involved. But it just has to do with the way that the, the clouds are moving in the wind and the way the light is filtering through it. But, you know, human brains do what they do and they find patterns and it. It makes it look like there's large living creatures that are actually flying around in these clouds. Very cool stuff. Just from kind of putting some pieces together, honestly, it seems like the kind of thing that could have spawned the idea of the atmospheric beasts. Also could have spawned the idea of, you know, dragons, uh, at least the... Eastern-style dragons that are, like, storm lords that fly in the sky. Yeah. Uh, but what about you, Billy? I've I've talked about some some things.
1: Well, looking up cryptids, because I'm not really familiar with most of them, mm-hmm. I came across one that, despite the fact that we both live in Michigan, I've never heard of. Ooh, which one? The Michigan Dogman?
0: Okay, no, I haven't heard of this one.
1: It was described as a seven-foot-tall, blue-eyed... Or amber-eyed. Bipedal canine with a torso of a man and a fearsome howl that sounded like a human screaming.
0: That's not... That's definitely frightening, but not what I would call fearsome. Fearsome strikes me more as, like, intimidating, whereas human scream is like, Oh no, someone's getting murdered. Seven foot tall, though.
1: There... Apparently... There was a record of this creature where there were two lumberjacks working... And this this dog had come running up to them and they were terrified of it, but chased it down and realized it was the wolf, the dog man just standing there in the corner. He wasn't being threatening or all, but they were terrified. And so they ran away.
0: That's weird because you think, you know, you think lumberjacks lumberjacks are uh, yeah. pretty stereotypically brawny and, you know, fearless. Then again, I suppose I suppose hunters are often more. uh wary of animals than us normal folk, us civvies.
1: Um according to legends, the Michigan Dogman appears in a 10-year cycle that falls on years ending in 7.
0: I love a good 10-year cycle. Like thing creatures that show up on schedule, you know? Yeah. F- 10 years falling on years that end in 7. So 2017, 2007.
1: The first sighting was in
0: 1887.
1: Mhm. And Another one was docu- made, documented in 1987, and some reports of a similar creature came from the... I'm going to butcher that. Elegant County? Elegant? I don't know. Can you spell it for me? A-L-L-E-G-A-N.
0: I don't know. We'll A-le- have to find Alegant? someone who lives there. All right, pause the recording. We're going to go find someone <laughs> who lives there.
1: Um, uh, Maybe Google lives there. In the 1950s... Anyways, in, in that county in the 1950s... He, there was a similar creature, as well as one in Manistee and Cross Village in 1967.
0: Allegheny has a population of 4,900, according to the 2010 census.
1: I also, in researching the Dogman, learned that there is a there's a town in Michigan called Paris. I
0: really, I knew there was a Hell, Michigan.
1: Paris, Michigan, apparently.
0: There's a Paris, Michigan. Wouldn't you look at that? It has a
1: little, a little, a little baby Eiffel Tower. Michigan, man, we've got we've got it. We got Paris. We got Paris, and we got hell.
0: It actually kind of looks like a nice place. I'm I'm on the I'm on Michigan.org. So this dog shows up every seven years. Yeah. Do we have records from each like supposed or no? It shows up every ten years on the on years ending in seven. Yeah. Uh, did do we have any theoretical reasoning for why that is? Why does this? dog hibernate does it have like a feeding cycle or something
1: not that i could find
0: man in researching these cryptids i have a lot of respect for the fictional character sam winchester who has to do this on a regular basis like i know he's a fictional character so you know they just write him as succeeding in the research but he figures out how to kill these things
1: there is one thing that i did that i did find on the michigan dog okay uh apparently Steve Cook recorded a song titled The Legend which was supposed to be an April Fools joke uh-huh. but ended up becoming attached to this legend of the dog man because it's it tells the tale of the dog man. You know, I
0: April Fools there's hmm, there's going to be some other references to April Fools jokes in this in this podcast and it's interesting how many of them If I had a nickel for every time there was a reference to April Fool's jokes in researching this, I'd have at least two nickels, which isn't a lot, but you know,
1: it's weird that it happened twice. Yes. I found
0: confusingly on a list of cryptids, dodo birds,
1: not a cryptid, but yeah, (laughs)
0: that's, that's what kind of confused me. So I, I, I was kind of looking in on it and I'm like, why is dodo, why is, why is dodo birds here? From what I can tell, it's not a doubt over whether or not dodo birds were at one point real. It's doubt over their extinction. Okay. The reason they are considered they're they're accepted by some to be on a list of cryptids now is because there are people that believe that dodo birds are still around somewhere. Maybe not in large numbers, maybe not in places where they're obviously like, widely seen, but dodo birds may be living in an area where there are fewer predators or fewer creatures to prey on them, because, you know, dodo birds are traditionally not considered to be very adept at surviving. I just, I thought that was kind of interesting that some people considered dodo birds to still be, to still be on that list. That
1: is certainly interesting.
0: It kind of goes along with the, with creatures like the African peacock, which was thought to be a cryptid because people were like, "No, peacocks couldn't possibly live in Africa. They're 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 an Asian critter." The actual creature is the Congo peafowl, which is um native to the Congo Basin, and is a variety of peacock sort of um that you know lives in just lives in an unusual area. You want me to talk about the hungry grass?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so the hungry grass is something that I think blurs the line a little bit between myth and cryptid. It is apparently also known as fairy grass, which is um it originates primarily from Ireland, and it kind of has two two varieties or two stories that goes along with it. It's said that anyone who walks on the hungry grass is doomed to perpetual and insatiable hunger and a permanent state of weakness. It's thought to be caused by the proximity of an unshriven corpse or possibly a leprechaun. The alternative version suggests that this hungry grass is not quite as potent and you can safely cross through it as long as you're carrying a bit of food and some beer. Why hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe that's why this is more cryptid than myth. A pot- one potential explanation is purely the fact of the Irish famine. Like mm. the potato famine. Okay. You know that kind of huge deal that was in Ireland for yeah. a while a while back. Basically everybody was going hungry and so it kind of created this superstition of like parts of the grass, parts of parts of the land that were just ridden with people who were cursed to be forever hungry, which is, I think, it seems like a very reasonable way for a superstition like this to appear. Yeah. Earlier you were talking about dodo birds. I was. What did, What did you find that's adjacent to that?
1: So I found early tales of a demonic like creature with a metallic beak that's filled with teeth known as the snally aster
0: ooh okay I'm, I'm actually really curious about this one that's uh one of the one of the guys that shows up in fallout 76 the snow yeah Gaster.
1: upon upon learning that this was an actual cryptid and not just something Bethesda came up with naturally I had to look into it in 1909. Locals reported seeing a bird-like monster with enormous wings, a long-pointed bill, and claws like steel hooks with an eye in the center of its forehead.
0: You know, that reminds me of the cyclops sharks that I was seeing in my research. This cyclops shark that I found is actually under under a list of uh, former cryptids because it was thought to be a cryptid and then later was debunked not as a hoax, but rather as a a thing like a real um phenomena that happened there is a congenital defect called cyclopia which can very very rarely occur occur in living creatures which does exactly what it sounds like you are basically you're born with one eye the cyclop shark is actually a case of a shark being discovered that had only one eye and it was later uh, identified as a shark that had this this condition and so I wonder, in a similar vein as that, if this this Snallygaster legend wasn't spawned from uh, a creature being found with, or, or even maybe a creature being seen with this condition and not being recognized for what whatever creature it actually was. I could see that, yeah. Because it definitely seems to be, like with cryptids in, in general, that definitely seems to be a running theme for these for these creatures or at least for potential explanations for these creatures i mean you think back to the atmospheric beasts i was talking about earlier thinking about that potential meteorological phenomenon or the the air rods are kind of in the same vein of of like a possibly a a rendering or other kind of digital mistake basically for lack of a better word cameras have a habit of seeing some weird things that humans can't like don't necessarily spot with the naked eye just yeah. because of how they function a popular one. And don't, don't come from me ghost hunters, but uh, another popular one is, are those orbs like those little floating lights, which comes from a, a uh <laughs> orbs, which comes from a, um, basically a refraction of the love of, of light and the, Capture rate of film photography, yeah. or well, not film photography, but the, the capture rate on on recording things. Same reason why, like, if you take a picture of your computer screen, you you can see all those lines on your computer screen. Your your screen actually has those in them, but your phone's uh, camera actually captures at such a high rate that it shows up on your camera. Like, it freezes it for your for your vision. Same reason why uh you can't uh CRT televisions. You actually have to be careful about what you use to record them because otherwise you're just gonna get the um the scan lines running through. Oh man. What's some
1: that? of the some of the cutscenes in Cold War have oh, the CRT yeah. television effect on them. hmm That hurts my eyes. Yeah. Television was a wild invention. Um so I did I did find a little bit more on the on the snallygaster. Mm-hmm. It sucks the blood out of its victims. Oh, so using... it's another vampire.
0: Where yeah, was this it's... in our vampire episode?
1: I didn't find anything on, on it until now. <sighs> Cryptozoologists! It's, it's described as half reptile, half bird, with the metallic Uh-oh. beak lined with razor-sharp teeth, and occasionally having octopus-like tentacles. Uh-oh. No thank and you. The screeches that it makes are said to sound like a locomotive whistle.
0: Well, now, hang on. I've connected some dots. Locomotive whistle. Can you describe its teeth again for me?
1: Razor sharp teeth. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What was, where was the long
1: bits of metal? That was its beak. Its so beak. it's it, it has it's a, got a metallic beak with razor sharp teeth lining it.
0: Mm, so it has it has a metal beak with teeth. It sounds like a train whistle. Yeah. Does it run in straight lines? We don't know. <laughs> perhaps perhaps along perhaps along a path like a set path on the ground. Have people seen bright lights accompanying this creature? Specifically one bright light at the front of the creature. And did it only make its train whistle noise when they got in its path?
1: Now, the best thing that I found about this is I think I've seen one of these creatures.
0: (laughs) I think I've seen one of these creatures, Billy.
1: We call them trains. The best part about this story is they put seven pointed stars on their barns, which supposedly kept the Snallygaster at bay.
0: No, you've confused this creature with a different one. <laughs> the Snellygaster has an enemy. The snail—oh, Stally- wait. Okay,
1: we've got a rivalry now. This is this has changed things. Hang on, we're we have. The Snallygaster has one widely known enemy called DeWado DeWayo. D-E-W-A-Y-O. Dewayo?
0: I have no idea how
1: you would pronounce that. Dewayo? Dewayo. Is reported to be a mammalian biped with features similar to a wolf, but the stance and stature of a human.
0: So another wolfman.
1: The sightings of Dewayo are primarily reported in West Middletown, Maryland. But sightings have been reported in Wolfsville, Maryland region. In, wait, in Wolfsville? Wolfsville. The Deweyo and Snallygaster Hmm. have reportedly had vicious encounters dating back to early settlement of the Middletown Valley.
0: All right, I like this. I can see the
1: movie. I was going to say, where's this movie? Yeah, no. Give us a Deweyo ex Snelligaster movie. Make it a part of the Godzilla.
0: Hang on, on, rephrase that one, because that's a different (laughs) fan fiction.
1: A Deweyo versus Snallygaster. There you go. Put it in the same... Connected film verse as Godzilla and uh, King Kong.
0: I I definitely I can see this going down in like an abandoned uh ghost town. That would be fun. Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, I like this. I like this idea. I like this a lot. Where does the Snallygaster? Does it say in like where you're looking? uh, Does it say where the Snallygaster
1: either originated from or lives? Because if this Wolfman lives in Maine. It's said to inhabit the hills surrounding Washington and Frederick counties, Maryland.
0: Wait, it was the wolfman in Maine or Maryland? Maryland. Maryland. Okay, whoops. All right. I thought you said the wolfman was in Maine.
1: They have overlapping turf. All right. So Dwight versus Snallygaster. Oh, man. Some of huh. these. Some of these renditions of the Snallygaster. Mm. We
0: need. We're going to have to develop a Twitter, and you and I are going to have to post stuff to them
1: these are these are some nightmare fuel
0: <laughs> oh maybe not all right I ref- I've rethought this idea well you put teeth in a beak which is your first mistake there's a reason birds don't have teeth uh, it's it the tentacles
1: are coming out of the
0: beak oh no that doesn't seem like a now I'm just thinking of the cat from Captain Marvel. I don't like this creature anymore, the Snallygaster. I think
1: I think I like the ones from Fallout 76 much more.
0: <laughs> I also don't think you've taken a very close look at those models in Fallout 76 Billy. Those things are pretty pretty uh
1: They're they're horrifying in their own right, but
0: the number of eyes and limbs on those creatures is too much in excess of what they should be.
1: I I was going to say don't get me wrong, if what little I played of Fallout seventy six, if every time I saw a Snallygaster, kind of scuttling towards me, I was horrified. Mm.
0: Oh yeah, well especially because those things were really strong in the game. Yeah, which makes sense considering what they are, what the the cryptids that they are based off of. So I've got, well I've basically got two more. I will save my ace for the second. So one caught my eye because it is this this cryptid has this, a similar name to a creature from a podcast that to to a character from a podcast that I enjoy called The Adventure Zone. Oh? Um there was a there a tabletop RPG podcast. They were one of the second season, they're on season 3. The second season that they did was uh a campaign set in the monster of the week rpg system which is largely based around cryptids and things yeah the mothman in that show uh went by the name indrid oh who is and i believe it was actually the like the mothman in that went actually by indrid cold the reason that that caught my eye is because indrid cold is apparently an actual cryptid um who is also more commonly known as the smiling man. Now this cryptid is not related to the Mothman other than the Mothman and this 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 gentleman question mark are both cryptids. The reason I I bring this guy in is from that one wiki that I found under background the habitat is listed as possibly planet lanulos
1: okay which is
0: awfully specific for an entirely different planet for a creature that may or may not exist <laughs> yeah, oh man the where where they are getting that from is uh who's like some- somebody who is doing who's who's doing some research on on this particular individual said the the galaxy uh Ganymedes, Planet Lanulos in the Galaxy Ganymedes, which I, I almost feel like and I and I have no um, again, this is coming from a place of not being super deep into cryptozoology and and also coming from a place of skepticism. This has got to be that like that's got to be one of those lines that people who who are big into cryptozoology feel like gives them kind of a bad name because it's just so out there, pun intended but the the grinning man the grinning man injured cold is said to be human like in appearance uh is commonly associated with uFO activity and sometimes believed to be an alien or possibly connected to the men in black okay the men in black well, the men in black are they're they're the men in black like if you have seen the the men in black films, these guys are. Basically, cryptids that are are thought to do the exact, almost the exact same thing as the people in the people in the films. It it, it seems to be less, uh, less. There seems to be less of a consensus that these uh, people are government agents, although that is one theory. Also, possibly they're demons. Also, possibly they're cyborgs. Hmm. Regardless, uh, these individuals are meant to hush up alien, alien involvement. It's it's interesting that. This figure is so connected to the pot- potentially being an alien, especially because of because with one line on the that I'm looking at that's that reads, um, "It would be almost impossible for a race to take the exact same evolutionary path as us," which is 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 saying something. But at the same time, it is a bit, it does seem a bit unlikely, even if you preclude the existence of uh, intelligent life that exists independently somewhere else in the universe that also found our little corner pocket of the universe and decided to hang out here for whatever reason. Wait, he could fly with... Wait. That could fly with his wings? What? I thought this man was... I thought this man was man, but he has secret wing. In his first sighting, he was described as being over six feet tall, wearing a reflective green suit with a black belt. He had a dark complexion, small beady eyes set far apart that he could fly with his wings. A little bit more than a man. A little bit more than a man. Later descriptions do describe him as a normal, a normal human. It suggested that maybe there are multiple of these grinning men. Very creepy. These, these, these individuals, this individual. So what else you got, Billy? I've got, I've got a mini fact. Oh, good. We're back for Billy's mini fact corner. Welcome back to the podcast from the podcast, Billy's mini fact corner,
1: where <laughs> we are joined once again. So the the chupacabra.
0: Hmm.
1: I've I've heard about it, but I've never really bothered to look up a description of it. Oh, you've never like looked looked actually. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's described as a cross between a reptile and a large dog. mm Hmm. And many believe that the chupacabra is an animal from another planet, and was left on Earth by alien visitors, either by accident or as yet some as yet undetermined reason. Now that one I haven't heard. Like I knew of the
0: chupacabra, the which is, you know, the goat sucker, the from, I think it is Mexican mythology, Spanish, Spanish may be the better word for that, but I was. I I don't, I, ooh, that's, that's some cultural, uh, naivety? What's the word for when you don't know something?
1: First proposed sightings were in Puerto Rico for the Chupacabra. Puerto Rico, all right. Latino,
0: maybe, maybe Latino would be a better word for, but yeah, I've, I've definitely heard about this creature as, uh, as connected to mythology, but never, um, never the proposal that this thing is an alien, yeah. That has taken me off guard. What evidence... I mean, I guess I guess it's hard to ask what evidence they have for this, considering, you know, it's cryptids, and if they had evidence for it, it wouldn't be a cryptid, it would be
1: a confirmed thingamajig monster. The The only real evidence that I was able to kind of scrounge up was goats with teeth marks, mm-hmm. but, like, just two dots, like a vampire. Right. The goats in addition to having those two the two dots on them, were just completely didn't have any blood anymore.
0: Yeah, completely exsanguinated is the is a wonderful word that means exactly what we're talking about.
1: There's def- definitely something going on with those goats. There's definitely something going on.
0: Uh it's hard to tell if it is a a ruse or if it's a creature, a critter that's um maybe not a chupacabra but maybe a coyote that being said, a coyote, a coyote would leave would... less of the goat than yeah. The goat being would just drink all the blood. Vampire coyote. Ooh, here's a weird idea. What if it's um, so goat farmers, right? What if it is a rival goat farmer who has ooh, maybe in in one fell move. Uh, sabotaged another farmer's goat herd, as well as um, created sightings of this, uh, like blamed
1: it on the chupacabra. Maybe. Now, the I, other I, thing, oh, yeah. the other story I have, mm-hmm. unless you have something to add about the chupacabra. No,
0: I was just going to talk about the the interconnectedness of all of this lore, because you think about the chupacabra, the signs of it are so vampire-like. I have to imagine... Yeah, that there are, like, I I can see why cryptids and or cryptid, cryptozoologists and people who study myth, um, or the supernatural could get into such heated conflicts. Because is it is that a chupacabra or is it a vampire that's trying to just not feed on humans or is it something else entirely that's
1: similar to a vampire? I don't have anything to add. Okay, I do, however, have. Stories about a creature in Lake, again, sorry if we butcher anything here, Lake Tahoe? That's actually right. That one's right. I've been there. The aquatic creature is known
0: as Tessie? Yeah, this is a fun one. I didn't realize how widespread
1: these were. Witnesses described the creature as being between 10 and 80 feet long, having a serpentine body, and a coloration ranging from black to turquoise. That's a bit of a... That's a bit of a gap.
0: That is a statistically significant difference. 10 feet and 80 feet. Could be yeah. one or the other.
1: That's... Oh, gosh. Some some theorists say that it could be simply just a large sturgeon or an unidentified species of water eel. Well, freshwater eel, to be more specific. Mm-hmm. But believers point to a quotation from undersea explorer Jacques Casteau. I believe I pronounced that correct.
0: You have? Where, how did Jacques
1: Cousteau get into this? That dude's pretty famous. Who's alleged to have emerged from a submarine expedition in Lake Tahoe and said, the world isn't ready for what's down there, which is probably the most ominous quote I've heard. That's really ominous. Yeah. Hey,
0: hey, hey Jacques. Hey, you want to clarify, buddy? Hey, is there something we should be worried about? Because it sounds like there is. It sounds do we need like to get the SCP's foundation there over there? What do you think he meant by that? I Presuming that he actually did uh, exit, you know, the water
1: and say this. The only thing I can think of is he saw something terrifying or went down there and saw some large object feeding on remains of humans. Mm. Something... Something that would sh- shake the foundation of that community.
0: I choose a slightly more uh, a slightly more optimistic view of it, and what he saw was nothing and a whole lot of it. And what he meant by that—that that the world wasn't ready—is that he's like the world's not ready to give up its uh,
1: grasp Maybe. on a hope for the supernatural. Maybe members of the Washo. Washu and Paiute tribes in the mid-19th century said that the cryptid- Oh, man, there's no way we're pronouncing those right. Nope. No matter how hard we try. Apologies they said again. that Tessie lived in the underwater tunnel beneath Cave Rock. Cave Rock. Yeah. Creative name. Then again, we've got the Sahara Desert, which is literally
0: translated as just the desert desert. Yeah, I was going
1: to say desert, desert, desert. Yeah.
0: Los Angeles. No, that's not, that's not, that's nothing. I, I, it was interesting to find how many, like, I I think there was an, I think I found in my research another one that's very similar to Tessie, which all seems to, like, obviously the most famous one of these is, is Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Which is thought to be a a
1: plesiosaur, I think,
0: but also has never been confirmed. Like the existence of it has never been confirmed.
1: I I do remember looking into looking into Nessie a little bit. I didn't want to. Oh yeah, Nessie's very widely known. Yeah. But the reason they think that it's a uh, platosaur or however you pronounced it, I uh, the reason they discovered, the reason they think that is because they found remains of that creature skitter, scattered around Loch Ness. Skittered around. Skittered. It was, just, mean, yeah, it was, the, on, it was on the bottom definitely... of the floor, just. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just skittering around. I think it's a good, there's a, it's a rational reason to think that a creature like that could be there. That said, yeah. I mean, technology has gotten to the point where we, we would know at this point. Yeah. People are so obsessed with Nessie that if if the Loch Ness Monster were there, we would know. I got, I, I am down to the last one, which I'm very pleased with. I found, so I found this one kind of by hunting through the plant cryptids. Oh, because I find I found the plant cryptids just very interestingly diverse in comparison to, quote unquote, normal cryptids. I'm sure our listeners have already noticed a running theme. There's a lot. There's a lot of cryptids that are, you know, wolfman, ape man, large animal. Yeah. Animal that is not native to the area there are obviously the unique ones or well yeah the unique ones such as the, the mothman is pretty is, is a super popular one that's quite quite unique the snallygaster is pretty pretty singular there's also the the jersey devil's pretty is pretty unique in appearance and everything yeah. The Jersey Devil being a um like a winged goat man hybrid that uh was purportedly by legend, um a woman cursed the birth of her thirteenth child and the Jersey Devil was born and now he kinda terrorizes that area. However, I found amongst the plant cryptids the spaghetti tree. Okay. I love the spaghetti tree. Remember when I said that there were gonna be two April Fool's references in this podcast, in this episode? Yeah. So, as an April Fool's joke, BBC broadcast a very brief broadcast showing a family harvesting spaghetti from the family spaghetti tree. (laughs) And I love this so much because, did you, okay, so have you ever heard of the the problematic uh radio broadcasting of the book I cannot remember if it was nineteen eighty four or if it was War of the Worlds that was broadcast, but as part of a radio broadcast, it wasn't actually intended to be a hoax or anything. It was just it was it was just a a radio broadcast where the broad, like the broadcasting team was they were they were doing a broad the broadcast as though it were um Like, as though it were real, basically. Yeah. And it actually caused something of a little bit of a panic because people didn't realize that it was a production because they missed the part where they came on and said, hey, we're about to do a production of War of the Worlds. And so people tuned into this radio channel and, like, there's invaders and, like, spaceships coming down from the sky and people just start freaking out. And this spaghetti tree problem (laughs) is something very similar. (laughs) In the sense that BBC, um, they they aired this this little special. They were they were harvesting from this this quote unquote spaghetti tree, and they were talking about how they had a a, a bumper spaghetti harvest at a, after a mild winter and the virtual disappearance of the spaghetti weevil. There was a the footage of like a harvest festival that was aired, and they talked about like what you had to do to make your your spaghetti tree grow the perfect length of spaghetti. And and after this broadcast, they, they had people calling in to ask for advice on how to grow their own spaghetti trees. Which, purportedly, they were told by one exasperated BBC reporter, place a string of spaghetti on a tin of tomato sauce and hope for the best. <laughs> oh, but it just... It filled me with so much joy to see included on this like list of cryptids and and, and to be clear at least on the sites that i found it on it had they have made it known that this is they consider this a hoax they being from what i can tell cryptozoologists as a general statement understand that this is this one was a hoax but can you imagine can oh gosh people People in, let's see, this was 1957 when this April Fool's Day joke was aired. Can you, people in 1957 were just so innocent. Ignorance, that's the word I was looking for. Forgive, forgive our cultural ignorance. People from Mexico and Spain and other Latino cultures. I could see this being aired now. And, man, I hope people wouldn't, like, fall for it. They'd be able to just enjoy the, uh, the joke for what it was. How do you feel about this one, Billy? I don't know how I feel about the spaghetti tree. (laughs) You gotta grow some spaghetti, Billy, on
1: your spaghetti tree. I gotta go get myself some spaghetti.
0: Someone later, someone, uh... Actually, it might not have been later, it might have been earlier than that, that this book came out. Someone wrote a book, though, that a similar joke was made, where the main character convinces these, like, soldiers that he can make spaghetti grow. But... That states that it'll only grow if it's properly watered with alcohol. <laughs> uh it is later revealed that the captain planted oats along with the spaghetti, and that is why it looked like it was working for a little. What else you got, Billy?
1: I do
0: not have anything else no this this was definitely an interesting I feel like we keep say- I feel like I keep saying that about about all these research topics they're very interesting but it seems it seems like an honestly difficult needle to thread to find the best deep lore kind of things
1: yeah the blue
0: man group had a phenomenal bit of deep lore at the very end with the um blue man world and the uh all the biological facts quote unquote about the blue the blue men it's definitely been like this topic while certainly certainly very interesting and i think i think the spaghetti tree is a pretty good uh pretty good deep lore it's weirdly difficult to find something that is that we can consider for the for the um for the coveted position of deepest lore yeah although maybe that's just that's why the, that's why the world needs this podcast maybe we just need to research a little harder i mean i read i i I had some other stuff going on in my life, which made getting research on this topic done a little a little challenging. But I, I did look pretty deep into this. After all, I did find the spaghetti tree stuff. I don't know. Yeah. How, how did research go for you, Billy? We didn't really get too much into this at in the beginning. I don't think. But
1: research was. <sighs> it was almost the Florida Man issue again. Almost. It was. It was. I feel the best way to summarize my research experience with this topic was trying to look for a box of needles in a haystack yeah there was a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about but nothing that was really deep lore worthy
0: yeah i feel you like i'm looking at and thinking about all our topics and what do we what do we feel like is so far what do we feel like has been the best like the best topic to remind you what we did, we did Vampires, then Captain Crunch, then Florida Man, the Blue Man Group, Shapeshifters, and then now Cryptids is this episode.
1: I think the best one was probably Vampires. There was some really good...
0: There was. So what did Vampires have that the other ones didn't? I guess... Shapeshifters and Cryptids. Okay. I think I got it. I think I got what it is, really. Vampires... So Vampires is a category. So unlike Captain Crunch, vampires is is broader than broader than one character. Yeah. But it's a lot narrower than shapeshifters or cryptids. Yeah, it's it is one kind of mythological creature which then we we were then able to to take into and find like really dig into the rabbit hole on on that kind of subject.
1: I I do agree.
0: So with that in mind, what do we make our next topic? Cause I'm looking at I'm looking at our list of what we got. And I think I think a lot of these topics are gonna have similar issues to shapeshifters and cryptids if we don't figure out how to sift these down a little bit. Cause we have yeah. things like Norse mythology, Romanian mythology, Icelandic mythology on here. And those categories, while very interesting, much like cryptids were, I think they're much too broad for us to get a good topic going. So one of our topics on here is animals. Yeah. Which again, same issue as shapeshifters and cryptids. Too too broad. How do we get vampires out of animals? Well, not literal vampires, but <laughs> cuz we I, we already did the research on that one. It has say. to do with graves and like pregnant cats jumping over it or bats flying over the graves.
1: I'd say for animals, the way that we could be get the same the same effect that vampires had is maybe narrow it down to like like small animal animals, medium animals, deep sea animals. Yeah,
0: that almost still feels a little too vague.
1: I would say domesticated animals, but that no, also that's that's also that's that's very broad, because that ranges from house cats to yeah literal lions. I don't I don't know of a way that we could reduce any of these down to we might have to we might have to give this more thought.
0: Yeah, I think this might be this might be something that needs to be a little more thought. Well, all right, so here's here's one thing we got which it'll take a little bit of time before if we get any response at all. But to our listeners, as I started uh talking about the last couple episodes and this I'll keep this up the more we go on. First off, thank you for listening. And second off, um so if you have any suggestions for any suggestions or feedback for deplorable you can email at us at email us at deplorablecontact at gmail.com. If you've got a topic suggestion, you can go ahead and put topic suggestion in the subject line. If you've got feedback, you can go ahead and put feedback in the subject line. Um, and depending on how much influx of emails we get, we'll kind of, kind of depend on the, what sort of response. But um, I, we'd love to hear some feedback or any suggestions that you might have. I think this might take a little bit of... A little bit of talking about, Billy. We might have to like actually sit down and discuss this. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you thank you all for listening. Don't be afraid to get in touch with us. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And we'll see you next time. Bye.
1: I'm
0: getting a lot more confident of that. I got it.